Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know, we've been talking about what I feel like, for me, is just so endearing and so positive. You know, we're talking about creating divine connections. And, and you know, I couldn't come up with a better title. I mean, there's titles that may have expressed different aspects of what we're going to talk about that would have been clear, but the problem is they would have sounded religious. And I'll tell you, you know, so many times, if you if you say anything that sounds religious, uh, uh, people's minds go to some crazy religious concept that they have, and then you can't have a discussion with them because they think that you, they know what you're talking about. But you know, we're talking about being able to connect to God heart to heart. You know, I've been so fortunate in my life in so many ways, in the midst of the chaos of my life, in the midst of all the mistakes of my life, somehow, I always manage to stumble into uh, or stumble onto the right path. And, and I'm not talking about the right path as opposed to who is right and who is wrong. I'm talking about the right path that always leads me back to God, the right path that always leads me back to this heart-to-heart connection. And, you know, one of the earliest things I understood about God and the very first year that I was saved, well, for, the first thing is I realized it had to be real. I didn't understand about the heart, but I started this thing out from the perspective of a relationship. And the truth is, that's where it's all got to start. And if you don't start out walking with God from the perspective of seeking a deep, intimate, personal relationship, if you don't start out that way, uh, then I pray that somewhere along the way you made that shift when you saw how God, good God was and, and when you started longing to know Him and that sort of thing. Because I'm going to tell you, if walking with God is not about a deep, intimate, personal relationship, it is so easy to get off track and stay off track. It's so easy to miss the point. It's so easy to misinterpret Scripture and misinterpret things that God is actually speaking to you to try to lead you down the path of life. You know, that's one of the things that made God holy is that God was, he was unlike, he was uncommon in comparison to all of the gods that the pagans served because in all of the pagan gods, there was a master-slave relationship. Whereas with God, there was a father-child relationship. It's always about intimacy. It's always about a relationship. And so early on, though, I discovered from a scriptural basis, because I was committed to reading the Bible, I was committed to knowing God based on what the Bible said, then I discovered that everything with God was supposed to be heart to heart, my heart to His. And you know something in life, that, that's the way I want it with my wife, that's the way I want it with my kids, that's the way I want it with my friends. And I realize you can't have that with everybody. But I'm going to tell you something, if you're not having heart-to-heart -heart 
relationships with God and with the important people in your life, your life is going to be empty. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. It doesn't matter what your successes are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your position or your title is. It doesn't matter how many people adore you because you will still be in a room full of people and always feel alone. And so this whole series on, on, on creating divine connections, it's, it's, it's creating those heart-to-heart -heart connections, con connecting to people in God and God in a way that meets that deepest longing of your being, that, that connects you in a way that's unshakable, unbreakable, and, uh, uh, and that, that always leads to fulfillment, always leads to joy. You know, today we're going to be talking about, it, it was really hard to come up with a title for this you know, I'm calling it the waiting father. I, I, I wanted to call it the patient father, but I, I didn't know which one would, would really convey the idea the best. But let's just review a little bit. Now, listen, if you haven't watched all of the previous messages in this, I recommend you go to my website, www.impactministries.com, or, or you can check with whatever uh, channel you are watching this on. And... Uh, um, and, and go back and watch the previous message because I'm telling you something, you want to get all this. And by the way, let me say something. I want to give a big shout out to the Faith Unveiled Network, the Fun Network uh, in Southern California. And we have just recently begun broadcasting on their network. And I, I want to say thank you so much for inviting us to be a part of your network and to reach Southern California and the world through all of your efforts there. So, so I look forward to hearing from people in the California area that maybe are new to our broadcast and watching. Just give me a shout out and let me hear from you. Check me out on my Facebook page or uh, uh, Dr. Jim Richards or go to my website, impactministries.com. I like to hear from you. I like to hear what's happening in your life. Now, last week we talked about how that giving, how there's this great misunderstanding about giving and that what people have this tendency to do is people have this tendency to give and in their giving, they're giving uh, oftentimes with, with the hope and the expectation that they're giving. And by giving, I'm, it could be financial giving, it could be, you know, emotional giving. It could be uh, serving somebody else. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can give to someone else. But they have this hope when they give that their giving, their contribution, their kindness, their patience, their mercy, their long-suffering, uh, that all of these things will endear that other person to them. Now, when, when you give anything to anybody else, and you have in that the expectation of them responding, then in fact, it is not a gift. It is a payment. It is a bribe. It is a manipulation. It's a, it, 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 it could be a whole lot of other things, but it's not a gift because a gift is something that you give someone because of your desire to be a blessing to them. Now, when we give to other people, especially with the expectation of receiving something back, it's like, if you're making, it's like making a payment for something or making an investment in something, you're placing a value on that person. It's just like if you were, if you were to have the opportunity to buy a car today, and maybe it was a really, really nice car, and, and you could get it really cheap, then the real truth is you wouldn't have much value for that car because, because you know, if it, the cheaper it is, the less value it is. And so the greater the sacrifices, 
that people make uh, with the hope that that other person would be endeared to them, the real truth is that that has nothing to do with how that person's going to respond to you. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're going to like you, love you, appreciate you, or even be grateful for what it is that you're giving them. And I can't go through all this, but you want to go back and listen to last week because we talked about the fact that many times giving to people can actually cause them to despise you and turn against you and, and reject you. If you give to people who, uh, you know, who, who cannot receive, who are not gracious, who are not godly and this sort of thing, or when you give to people who don't have value for you or, or don't love you. And so, but the great deception is we think that it's going to bond that person to us. But the real truth is because we are now making an investment. We have now put a value on uh, our desire to be connected to them. So what really happens is we become more connected to that person. We become more bonded to them. We, be we become uh, uh, more in love with them. We become more obsessed with them. We become more compelled to pursue them and to, and to want them in our life because they actually have more value even though they may be treating us worse than, than they did before. Now, <clears throat> of all the places that incredible sacrifices are made with, with some of the greatest potential for hurt, and I think it's really the greatest sacrifice that most people will make in their life with the greatest potential for heartbreak, and that is in parenting. Now, <clears throat> you know, why is it that after parents lay their lives down for their kids, work hard to support them, raise them, feed them, clothe them, that, uh, that, you know, that the kids oftentimes are deeply unappreciative and when they get into their teenage years, they start despising their parents many times and they want to break away from their parents and want to have nothing to do with them. They want to disassociate with them. They want to get away from them. They're going to trust and love everybody else in the world except the parents. And that's because parents labor under this false idea that by sacrificing for their children, their children will love them. Now, listen to me. And you know what? I was, uh, I was an administrator of, uh, of, of Christian schools for a number of years, probably, I, I would imagine, close to 20 years. I was the administrator of a Christian school and helped start Christian schools. And, and I have been involved in, in family counseling for, for decades and here's one of the things that, that, that I've seen over and over and over again. And that is that, that parents who think it is their job to just to make sacrifices for their kids. And it's their job to make sure their kids never have, you know, hardships and never have responsibilities and don't have to pay for things and don't have to assume responsibility. Those are the parents whose kids today are out here going to a, a, a football game, and when it's over to celebrate, they go out and, and flip cars over, set houses on fire, burn establishments down, and, and turn into mobs. These are the same people. These are the same kids that, 
They get their feelings hurt at school and they go back with a weapon and start killing people. And these are the same kids that become so incredibly dysfunctional because, see, we accepted the word of Freud, who, who was a godless pervert. We accept the words of people who come up with psychological theories that are totally contradictory to the Word of God. And we think because it has science somewhere in the definition or because they've got a certain number of initials after their name, we think they know more about kids than God does. We think they know more about parenting than God does. And I'm going to tell you something. Right now, this nation is consumed with anti-God uh, teenagers and young people uh, that were raised by parents who knew God, but rejected God's standards and rejected God's values and just coddled their kids and, and, and tried to make everything about giving them a good life. We want to give our kids a good life. We want to be kind to our kids. We want our kids to feel loved, but we go about it the wrong way. You know, in family counseling, and man, I have done a lot of family counseling, in family counseling, here's the thing that you always see. You always see that the child who assumes the least amount of responsibility in a home, in other words, the child that doesn't clean up the room, the child that doesn't uh, uh, pitch in and do work around the house, the child that doesn't have any kind of responsibilities, and, and then when they, as they get older, they don't have to pay for anything. They don't do their own laundry. You know, They, they don't do any of the basic things they're supposed to do that will be the child that never feels connected and ends up despising their parents. You know, that's why the child that's your pet is going to be the child that's going to grow up with the most dysfunction because you are not going to require them to make sacrifices and to give into the family. You know, my uncle I had an interesting conversation. My sister and I have talked about this a lot over the years. And, and, and growing up, you know, one of my hardships growing up was that uh, because my brother and sister were older than me, they were in school because my mom had to work full time and my dad was nowhere to be found, that I had to live with relatives for several years before I got to school age. And, uh, and even when I got to school age, then, then many times in the summer and at vacations and different times, I had to go live with relatives because there was nobody there to take care of me. I was the youngest in the family. And, uh, and so what was interesting is my brother especially begrudged the fact that my uncle, who was pretty much my surrogate father, uh, was, was raising me and was good to me and, and, and liked me. And we had a great relationship. And, and just recently, I was, I was talking to my sister about this. And I said, but what, what you guys never understood is this. My uncle, Uncle Bobby, he's still alive to this day. He's 83 years old. I just saw him a couple days ago. My uncle, because he favored me, he did not make life easier for me. Because he favored me, he required more of me than he did my brother or my sister or anybody else around him. And, you know, I was, I was telling her how that, you know, I can remember when I was about 10 years old, him getting me up before he went to work one morning, which meant it was about 6 o'clock in the morning. He took me out in the backyard and my uncle would be the kind that would tell you to do things, tell you how to do them, explain things to you, answer your question, but he'd never do it for you. And he's like, go, you know, go out here and get the extension ladder. And here I'm, you know, like a 10 year old kid dragging this big old extension ladder out. So I right, lean up against the house there, get some paint. He showed me how to stir up the paint, get it ready. 
and, and, and he had me, first thing he had me do is, is, is he, you know, he showed me how to dip the, the brush in the paint and, you know, wipe it off a little bit, the tip off so that it wouldn't drip, and how to, you know, and how to paint the house. And he said, now, get your clothes hanger, and, and, and I wired a clothes hanger around the handle of that paint bucket. He said, now, scoot up that ladder up there and tie, use that clothes hanger to tie that bucket of paint to one of the uh, rungs of the ladder. And I did. And he said, now that's what you do. And as you work your way down, you move your paint down. You don't hold the bucket in your hand because you'll drop it. And so here I am, you know, 6 o'clock, 6.30 out in the morning, out here as, as a little 9, 10-year-old kid. And so my uncle says, now I want you to start today, and I want you to do this every day, and I want you to paint this whole house. And, you know, he would check on me every day. He would give me advice. He would give me tips, but I got news for you. There wasn't one day that he came out there and did the work for me. And that's the way he did. And because he favored me, he required more of me. You know something? I am so incredibly thankful for that. And you know what? I loved him dearly. Now, he, wasn't, see, he was never mean about it, thank goodness, but I loved him dearly. And that's what happens. The, the children who have to give back, the children who have to invest in the family, those are the children that always love their families. Those are the children that feel emotionally connected to their families. And the kids that don't, the kids that always found some way to weasel out of the work, the kids that always managed to spend the night somewhere when there was something to do, those are the kids that the rest of their life play the victim and, 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 and you know, their family just doesn't love them and nan and nan and nan and nan and nan and nan. And the truth is they can't connect to people because they grow up being selfish and self-centered and do not give and make sacrifices, true sacrifices to other people, unless they're doing it to get something back. So, here, so here's the deal. You know, and you may say, man, what do I do? My kids are already grown. I've already made that mistake. I've already made that big mess. Well, you know something? Uh, all you can do is change how you relate to them now. Stop coddling them. Stop doing for them what they should do for themselves. And, and let me tell you something. Uh, um, this is called codependent behavior. We, we create codependent behaviors. Codependent on our part when we do this, and it's codependent uh, on their part whenever, whenever we let them do that or encourage this. But you, know, you know, I have a book called Take Control of Your Life, and I hadn't planned on mentioning it, but it is a book that I use in treating all kinds of addictions. It doesn't matter if it's substance abuse. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a sex addiction. It doesn't matter if it's a codependency where you feel like you need people. It doesn't matter if it's a codependent where you tend to dominate people. It doesn't matter what type of codependence. Because remember, codependence is the mother of all addictions. And so you might want to read this book and learn how to start relating to your kids and to your spouse and to your friends in a new way because here is one of the laws of avoiding codependency and this was one of the things that Jesus did in his life and his ministry. Never do for someone else what they can and should do for themselves. If they are not willing to do it for themselves, then it is not going to work for them unless you stay there and hold their hand and do it for them continually. Jesus required people to take their own steps, their own personal responsibility. And one of the most common themes of all the parables of the kingdom is personal responsibility. 
And uh, when you move away from personal responsibility, you move into codependency. Now listen, you say, what's this got to do with God waiting and God being patient? Well, keep in mind, the parent that has the greatest heartache is the parent that sacrifices everything and then the child does not love them back. You know, my, uh, I, I had a great mother-in-law. I'm telling you, uh, when Brenda and I first got together, she hated my guts. And, uh, you know, I was just kind to her. And, yeah, I eventually won her over. Now, I was kind to her because she was Brenda's mother. And, yeah, I hoped that eventually she would change her attitude toward me, but I treated her the way that I treated her because that's who I wanted to be in this family. That's who I wanted to be as a man. It wasn't just to get her, you know, to, to uh, like me or to love me. But I'll tell you, as the years went by, uh, really, honestly, she deeply loved me. And, you know, one of the ways that you know that people deeply love you is because of what they do to express their value for you. When they, they give to you, they do things for you, they make sacrifices for you because they're expressing their value for you. Without, they're not trying to get something back. See, love is all about value. Uh, love is not about, I'm going to do something to get you to do something back. And so, so uh, Brenda's mom and dad, they, they had one son that was born late in life, and, and I think Brenda was 16 years old when he was born. And they coddled and babied this son, and basically he destroyed the later years of their life. He stole from them. Uh, you know, he lied to them. And really, to some degree, he was the cause of both of their deaths, because, uh, because one basically had a heart attack after him having a fit of rage on him. The other ended up in the hospital under the stress and the way it affected her, her liver. She had a liver issue. And, and, and when they were gone, this kid was so incapacitated because he'd never done anything for himself that he's done nothing but stay in trouble since then. And, and sometimes I say to these parents that are petting and coddling their kids, it's like, so... What's going to happen when you're gone? I'll tell, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to steal. They're going to lie. They're going to go to jail because they don't know how to live. They don't know how to be responsible. Well, the heartbreak that I watched her mom and dad go through and the thing that they said repeatedly is the same thing that so many parents say is after all we have done for him, after all the sacrifices that we have made, after all that we've given up so he or she could have a good life. Well, that's the problem. The parents did all the sacrifice. Let me tell you something. If you have young kids, teach them to serve the family. Require them to serve, not in a brutal way, not in an unrealistic way, not in a way that, that demands too much. But I'm telling you, if they don't invest in the family, they're not going to have value for the family. Now stop and think about it. God, more than any other father, more than any other parent, and remember, God is, is, is probably modeled or presented as a father more than any other relationship that there is. And so God, the father, has made all of the sacrifices for all of the people of the world. And 
they may or may not respond to it. Because at some point, if we don't surrender our lives to Jesus and start to get back, I'll tell you what, there is, there is a, a pop theology today that, that really is akin to, uh, to some cult teaching that presents this idea of we get saved, but we never give anything back. Because if you give anything back, then, then, then you're in dead works. We get saved and there's no concept of serving. There's no concept of, of bringing benefit to other people. There's no concept of giving financially. There's no concept of doing anything other than just sitting back and saying, whoopee, I'm saved. Well, you know what? The people that choose that are the people whose hearts grow cold. They grow more and more distant from God. And these are the same people that end up denying God, leaving Christianity, uh, becoming atheist, getting into sin and all kinds of destruction because they're just like that child that the parent made all the sacrifices, but they never gave anything back. By the way, let me just say this. Please, right now, just take a second. If you're watching this on YouTube and like this broadcast, I want people all over the world to hear this message because I think this is so incredibly important. We want to respond to the love of God and, and, and really, if we really accept the love of God, then the, the real, and experience it, then the real truth is when we fall in love with Him, we're going to start giving back. Because see, that's what love perfected really is. Love perfected is not talking about a flawless love per se. It's talking about a love that is reaching its goal. And that goal is that is it's received by the believer, that is experienced by the believer, and that it is expressed back to God and is expressed back to the people around us. You see, God did what He did, and God does not attempt to violate our will. He does not attempt to force us. He, you know, despite what religion said, he is not. You know, if God manipulated you or used pressure, used trouble, used sickness, used pain as a way to draw you back to him, then it, number one, he would be violating your free will. Number two, he would be denying his name. Number three, he would be denying the finished work of Jesus because Jesus set us free from all those things. But Ultimately, he would be denying his core nature because God is love. And if he manipulated or forced or used fear or pain or suffering to draw you to him, then the real truth is it would not be a love relationship. That's like an abusive husband that, that says, if you ever leave me, I'll hunt you down and kill you. And he holds his wife and family hostage through the fear and the threat of death. And that's who we think God is. And, and then we wonder why we can't love him. You know something, when the Bible talks about the fear of God, it's not talking about the fear of God hurting you. It's not talking about the fear of God doing bad things to you. It's talking about, and, and the ancient Hebrews knew this, it's talking about a God who, who initiated a relationship, a God who created us, a God who doesn't hurt us, a God who loves us with an incredible passion and the fear is that the way you would respond to that love, the way you would respond to that would break his heart. You know something? 
you can break God's heart. God's a social, emotional being just like we are. He's relationship-oriented just like we are. We don't want to respond to the love of God in a way that breaks His heart. We want to respond to the love of God in a way that draws us closer to Him in our own heart and own experience. Now listen, let me just say this. Man, if you're wanting to go deeper in this, if you're wanting to get exercises that you can use, get this series, Creating Divine Connections, because I, you know I've got hours of teaching this that not only gives you more information, but gives you steps that you can apply right away, steps that you can put into practice. And if you don't have the money for a series, you go over to uh, uh, moveyourboundaries.com at Impact Unlimited and if they're still have a special offer, you can get them for $1 and have access to this series for a month and to all of my series because we're trying to make them available to everybody. So if you're wanting to use these things to go deeper and become disciples, man, go over and get into it. There's no way you can't afford it. Take just a minute at the end of this program if you're watching on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel and I'll be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.